Why don't you turn with me again to scripture that we looked at this morning. Psalm 110 and Isaiah 1. Psalm 110 and Isaiah 1. In praying about these meetings, the I believe the Lord has directed me a specific way. What's well, good to hear from God, isn't it? You know, no matter how many times you've spoken or ministered, when it comes time to go again, you just don't have it till He gives it to you. Amen. We want fresh manna, don't we? We we want what He's got for us right now. And uh, as you know, many of you know, it's not just all based on the preacher, but utterance is greatly affected by the hearer. And we got off to a good start this morning. I believe. Amen. Yeah. So we're on the same page. We're all hooked up. I believe you want to have church. Amen. The real thing. I'm, I'm glad for that. I'm thankful for that. I'm in the right place. In Psalm 110... The 110th Psalm, then we'll jump directly to Isaiah 1. Begin reading here in the uh, first verse, Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. How many believe it's, it's happening? It's going to happen. Amen. Amen. The kingdoms of this world, they shall become the kingdoms of our Lord. Amen. He's coming back. He's going to straighten this thing out. Verse 2, The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. How many believe we can have that today? You know, Satan is called the God of this world. He rules in this world system. That doesn't mean he has to rule in your domain. You have authority concerning what is yours. Amen. Your body, your family, your house, your stuff, your business, your ministry, your church. Even though we're in the world, we're not of the world. And even though the, the, you know, the principalities and powers of the air and et cetera, et cetera, are influencing and doing things in this world system, that doesn't mean that they have free reign to influence in your area, in your domain. Say it out loud, I rule and reign. I rule and in my, in my domain. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You want to say that again? Yeah. <laughs> I rule and reign. I rule and reign. In, my in my domain. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. You like that so much we ought to say it again. <laughs> Are you thinking about what you're saying? Yeah. I rule and reign. I rule and reign. In, my in my domain. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. <laughs> I don't think I ever said that just like that before. I believe it though. Amen. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. That sounds like the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I what? I'll fear no evil. Why? Because I'm ruling and reigning. Amen. Yes, death's all around, shadow of death, and the curses in the earth, and demons and crazy people. But... But I, I'll not fear why. He's with me. 
He, he is with me. He is with me and his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Ruling by, by his rod here it talks about. Verse 3. All this goes together. Your people, that's us, God's people. Your people shall be what? Willing in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Look at that phrase again, verse 3. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. We'd say, we could say like this. In the day of the manifested power of God, his people are willing. Wonder is there a connection between the manifested power of God and the willingness of his people. Like we got into this morning for centuries, the church has been taught, and the enemy, it's actually a doctrine of devils, and it's come over pulpits that we're waiting on God to get willing. That God's power will be manifested when he gets willing. And so people are waiting and waiting and waiting. But could it be the other way around? Could it be that he's been waiting on us to get willing? Willing to fully commit. Willing to fully believe. Willing to fully obey. I wonder if this full willingness would affect a manifestation of the power of God in the earth. Healings and miracles. Revelation and deliverance and direction. Amen? I'm telling you, the church has been sold a lie. It's deception to always holler about, well, it's when he wills and how he wills. When he wills to do his word all the time for everybody everywhere. It is his will, but is it ours? That's the question. You remember Jesus talked to the man at the pool of Bethesda and he said, wilt thou be made whole? If he'd have been like a lot of theologians, he'd have come and said, do you think it's the will of God? Right? Wonder if it's the will of God to heal you. He never brought that up. That is conspicuous by its absence. Isn't it? Did Jesus ever mention the will of God to any of the people that he ministered healing to? Do you remember any of it? In order for something to be scriptural, what do you need? Some scriptures. Right? You do. People take us to task about preaching that it's God's will to heal everybody. Amen? That it's God's will for everybody to be saved. It's God's will for everybody to be filled with the Spirit. It's God's will for everybody to prosper. Some folk don't like that. They say, well, you know, no, if it was, then it would be. Are you saying if it was the will of God for people to be saved, that all be saved right now? Then it must not be His will. No, that's not the case. He was willing when he went to the cross for them to be saved. And before, he's been willing every day of their life. Why are those that are not saved not saved? Is it because he's not willing? It's because what? They haven't been willing. And as soon as they get willing, then they can receive and be born again. Wonder if that's true where healing is concerned. Jesus said, wilt thou be made whole? Will you? Will you? wonder if that's true concerning prosperity, concerning being filled with. It's true in area after area after area. So many times people think they're waiting on God and that's not the case. 
Not waiting on him to get willing. He's been willing. He doesn't change. But people sure change. People are something, aren't we? <laughs> you know, when you get talking about people and them, you know who you're talking about. You're one of them. Aren't we? Your people shall be willing when? In the day of your power. Turn on over to our other text in Isaiah chapter 1. Is this okay tonight? Do you like this all right? I believe this is the way for us. Isaiah 1, verse 18, Isaiah 1, 18. He said, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I want to read that again. You read it with me, please. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Let's say it once again. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I want to call you to record right now. Do you believe that? How many, I want you to put your hand up. How many believe that if you're fully willing and fully obedient, you will fully eat the good of the, you will enjoy the best? Hmm? I think that's about every hand. What if you're not enjoying the best? Maybe it doesn't work. Huh? Maybe God... In his infinite wisdom and his mysterious ways, just seen fit to do something different for you. Hmm? No. Listen, friend, I decided this a long time ago, and, and this is something that you have to do all of your life. I refuse to water down the word to fit my lack of experience. Did you hear me? If I'm not experiencing what I read in here, I don't want to make excuses. I want to make progress. I want to make changes. Amen. I read in there years ago in the book of Acts where people were talking in tongues and I didn't at that time. So I had a choice. I can either, like a lot of folk were doing, and a lot of folk were ready to help me with it, water that down to fit my not speaking in tongues and explain how that the Gentiles needed a sign of the evidence of the Holy Ghost and how that the others needed a sign of the presence of God, but that that's changed and all that's done away. And, and you, can, you can find plenty of literature to water it down so that it fits your lack of experience. Did you hear me? I decided not to go that way. I decided that God was still God. The Holy Ghost was still the Holy Ghost. Amen. The church was still the church. And if I got what they got, I'd have the manifestation they had. Amen. I should have the same experiences, the same manifestation of power. And I'll be honest with you, in my ignorance, I floundered around with it. It took me a while to receive because I just didn't know. But I, I, did, I made up my mind, I'm going to have it. 
I'm going to believe God till my experience matches what I read in Acts. Amen. And I, you know, all we knew in the group where I grew up in was tarrying. I, I did get in a group that believed in being filled with the Holy Ghost, but they just taught tarrying. And I did some tarrying. I kid you not. I tarried with the best of them, man. I mean, sometimes I'd start tarrying at the end of the service about nine o'clock or, or something, and I'd still be tarrying two in the morning. I tarried and I tarried, and it would have been mighty easy to come up with all kind of reasons why this was not for me. Hmm? Been mighty easy to water down the word to match my lack of experience, but I wasn't going that way. I stayed after it. Thank God, finally, hold of, got, a, got a hold of some materials from Brother Hagin about how to be filled and in the privacy of my own little mobile home. <laughs> I spoke in tongues. Hallelujah. Had been speaking in tongues ever since. It was for me all the time. And when I got willing to receive and willing to believe and willing to yield, I found out he had been willing all along. That's one thing I kicked myself about. I thought, man, you could have been doing this years ago. <laughs> but what if I had given up and what if I would tried to water down the word? And you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I've been blessed. I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I'm a sower. But I, you know, right now, I don't have so much coming in that I don't have anywhere to put it. I still got room in my accounts. Huh? I still got room in my closet. I still got room in my garage. Anybody with me? But I ain't watering down the word to match that. Did you hear me? Amen. No, sir, no, ma'am. Stay with it. If you see it in the Word, you know, if you are willing and obedient, what will happen? You will eat the good of the land. Now, that means the best. Right? That's eating the best, wearing the best, driving the best, living in the best, whatever. Hmm? And the best. I mean, God didn't, you know, allow the technology and the wisdom and skill and development of materials and, and technology just for the devil and his crowd. Did he? The best of the best should belong to the church. Should be used for the glory of God. To advance the gospel. Don't you believe it? And for God's people. Amen. And let's make up our minds, if we're not eating the best of the best right now, it ain't over. Don't water down the word to match your lack of experience. Perhaps you could get a little more willing. Perhaps you could become some more obedient. Amen. But don't put it, don't, don't think something's wrong on God's end. And don't try to water it down and say, well, yeah, you know, it says that. But maybe, you know, don't try to take everything so literally. And, and <laughs> Yeah, there you go. That's why so much of the church world is doing without. Staying sick, staying broke, staying in defeat. No. In order to, to achieve and, and receive, you've got to have faith. And, and Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. You've got to be aggressive. Amen. You've you got to set your face like flint and say, I'm having it. I'm, if I don't see it today, that's okay. I'm still having it. If I don't have it by the end of the week, don't you worry. I will have it. I'm going to stay after it. I'm not quitting. I'm not turning loose. Amen. 
And through faith and perseverance, through faith and patience, you will inherit. You'll see it. A lot of things don't happen overnight. And they don't happen in a, in a couple of days or in a year. But if you stay after it. Amen. You know, I've stayed with it long enough now to begin to see a few of those things. Some of the things, you know, you stood for for 10 years. You stood for for 15. You stood for for 20. And I mean, you know, it looks like the devil comes and says, it ain't happening. You're further from it than you were when you started. But it happened. I said it happened. Might have took 18 years, 20 years, 25 years. But hey, time's passing anyway. Right? If I hadn't have been believing, the time would have passed anyway. Ought to be believing God. Amen. Have a vision. Claim and ask and sow big and claim big and expect big. If you have to stand long, that's okay. Just stand. Don't water down the word to match your lack of experience. Believe God to elevate your experience to match the word. So that when you read in here and you look in the mirror, you see the same thing. Now, we haven't arrived at all that. But we're like the Apostle Paul, forgetting those things that are behind. I'm reaching forth. I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? Being just like him. That's the bullseye. Don't lower your sights down any lower. Set them right on Jesus. Amen. I'm going to live like him. Pray like him. Walk like him. Receive like him. Exercise authority and dominion over devils and disease and the elements just like him. Hallelujah. Be tight with God. The Father. Walk in communion and close fellowship just like him. Say just like him. Just like him. Amen. That's the scripture. He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. 1 John 2, 6 says. Just because you don't see it all right now, that's not the end. No. I mean, it's not the end when you die. This is just faith camp. He's training us. He's schooling us. Getting us ready to rule and reign with him. I'm telling you, you're going to be amazing a few thousand years from now. You will hardly recognize yourself. I mean, you know, the Lord's already brought us some ways, hadn't he? I mean, anybody been walking with God for a few years? Had you come a ways? Whoo! Boy, if we could could look at you then and look at you now, we'd go, God is God. Right? But you're you're not nearly to where he's taking you. Where is he taking you? Where is he taking? He's taking you and I to complete Christ likeness. So that if you've seen us, you've seen him. Glory. Nothing less. Not an inch short of that. And all he needs is some willingness out of us. Some cooperation. If you be willing and obedient, what will happen? You'll eat the good of the land. I mean, another way of saying that is if you'll do the will of God. If you'll obey God. Amen. Not, not just do your own thing, but do his thing. Follow his way, his will, his plan for your life. 
And not just if you'll do it, but if you'll what? Be willing to do it. Now that's what we begin to get into this morning. And the Lord's really stirred me up about that. And that's this willingness issue. And I think that some folk have focused more on just doing it than the willing to do it part. And I shared, I'll, I'll uh, share again for those of you that weren't here, and you, you probably know it if you followed Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. He tells about how he had pastored for some 12 years, I think it was, and the Lord began to deal with him that that wasn't his ultimate call, that he was supposed to go on the road. And he talked to him eventually about the prophet's ministry. But he left the security of the church where he had a better home than he'd ever had and better pay and than he'd ever had. And he left that and went as an unknown onto the field, pretty much in the circles, having to establish. And I mean, after a few months, he, uh, he was hurting financially. And he was pouring out his case before the Lord. And even it went from bad to worse. And he's going in the hole. He's going behind. After meeting after meeting. And he, he's praying, even fasting, seeking the Lord. And saying, Lord, you know, I, I did what you told me to. I left my last church. I'm out here on the field. And, and I don't have money to pay my bills. And my children are not adequately fed. They're not adequately clothed. We, we don't have adequate housing. I don't have an adequate car. And he said, you know, you said if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. He was quoting the scripture to the Lord in prayer. Took some time, waited and fasted about it. And he said at the end of that time, the Lord spoke to him and said, well, the problem is you don't qualify for this. <laughs> he said he was shocked. He, he felt like the Lord hit him a low blow. He said, Lord, I did, I did what you told me to. I left, I left my last church. I left it. And I'm out here on the road doing exactly what you told me to. He said, yes, but you're not willing. And he got it. He said it didn't take him long. He made the adjustment inside and got willing. We'll be talking about that later, about how to get willing. Amen. But the thing is, was it enough to just do? Was it enough to obey? But a lot of people think it is. Right? And that's what we're, de that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dwelling on. We, we talked about 1 Samuel 16, 7 or so, where that the Lord was talking to the prophet about anointing one of Jesse's sons as king. And they brought out Eliab, the eldest, and he looked on him and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He said, no. He said, don't look on the outward appearance. He said, man see. He said, the Lord doesn't see like man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We went into some detail about that this morning. The Lord looks at the heart. In this covenant, it's not enough just to do a thing. Well, the Lord told me to do it, so I did it. Uh, what more does he want? A lot. Did you hear me? It is not enough just to do it. God doesn't just look at the act. He looks at the heart. Yes. Amen. Yes. Did you do it uh, dragging your feet? Did you do it begrudgingly? Did you do it out of fear because you thought you had to or you'd get in trouble and, or you'd, you'd forfeit the blessing or whatever? I mean, people do things for all kinds of motives and reasons except to want to do it. To want to please God. Willing to do it. I mean, parents know this with children. Huh? <laughs> if a child needs discipline 
and you say something to them or, or discipline them whatever way that they need and you tell them to go do what they didn't do, if they go, well, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> Bing, slam the door. Are you through? I said, are you through? No, <laughs> no you're not through. Nope. Well, I'll take the trash out. <laughs> is it okay? Well, they did it. They did what I told them to. They're, they're a good boy. <laughs> What's the Lord interested in? The heart. What should you be interested in? The heart. The heart. No, it's not okay. But you know, God's got kids too. And his kids pull some of these same tricks. <laughs> Don't they? All right. All right. I'll go. <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> right? And if you want me to give that, I will. <laughs> you know that's my favorite one. <laughs> if I have to tithe, you know. You know a lot of people tithe. Like paying off the mafia for protection? <laughs> they do. <laughs> because some people have preached it that way. You sorry rascal, you don't tithe? You're robbing God. God robber. You tithe thief. And God will get you. You know what I'm talking about? In some rough parts of town, people come around and will sell you insurance. Yeah. You say, I already got insurance. This is not from us, you don't. And they pull out their ball back and go, you know, things happen. Break-ins, fires. But we can protect you. What they're saying is if you don't pay them, they're going to torture place. Well, people tithe like that. They do. Well, you got to keep God happy. Better write him a check. <laughs> they do. Out of fear. Because you know, boy, if you don't tie it, man, you, he, your car might tear up, you can't die. A lot of bad stuff will happen. So they, is that acceptable to God? That out of, motivated by fear, out of a sense of drudgery and just dead religious duty, that you get out your calculator and you figure that 10% to the penny? And write that check and bring it and you have to peel it off with the other hand and put it in there and you watch that bucket all the way down and you think, man, I could have sure used that. Will you be blessed anyway? Because you did it? A lot of folk think you will. Does it matter? The condition of your heart, what heart you give with, does it matter? It, oh, it makes life and death difference. I didn't know how serious this was until I began to study it this more. I knew it was serious, but as I began to study it more, even this afternoon, the Lord said it's life and death. I thought, life and death? He said, life and death. And he began to show me things I'll show you later. The condition of our heart, whether we're willing or unwilling makes everything we do or give 
either receivable or unacceptable. Either blessable or, as far as God's concerned, unblessable. If you do a thing, even though you do it, if you do it unwillingly, as far as God's concerned, it is unacceptable and it is unblessable. I'm going to show you scriptures for this. We're going to get into it. That's pretty significant. If that's true, if that's the case, that is very significant. We need to teach about it. We need to think about it. Amen. I used to tell people in offerings that I received in a certain thing I was doing some years back. I, uh, you know, in meetings like this, I don't receive my own offerings. Usually, you know, pastor or whoever. But when I was receiving an offering, I'd tell people, I said, if you don't want to give in this, don't. People would laugh at me for saying that. They'd say, well, Brother Keith, the way you talk, people won't give. I said, well, I don't want them to give if they don't want to give. If you don't understand this, you don't see what the Bible says about these things. God didn't want any grudge money. Well, if some people don't give, then you won't have enough. No, it'll come from somewhere else. God has ways. He has contacts. He can move large sums of money and not even pick up the phone. Yes, he can. I've seen him do it. Amen. It's not okay. You know, and, but some preachers, it's sad to say, have, have left the idea that if we just shake the people long enough till the money falls out, <laughs> that they'll be blessed in spite of themselves. And it is not true. Right. To do a thing unwillingly is to render what you gave unacceptable right. and unblessable. Let's go please to some scripture and let me begin to lay a foundation of this in the Word. Let's go to the New Testament. To 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And this, this whole passage really emphasizes this. 2 Corinthians. The 8th chapter. If you want what you do to be accepted. If you want what you do to be blessed. Then how must you do it? Willingly. Tell me again. How must you do it? Willingly. 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 Now, you might, you know, prop on a smile, and you, you might put on a face, and other people might think you are, but God knows. He sees through all the junk, and He knows your heart, whether you are or whether you're not. And it does make a huge difference. In 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, the Spirit of God was speaking through Paul to these folk at the church at Corinth about an offering that he was gathering together for the poor saints at, at Jerusalem. And this applies specifically to giving and money and finances, but it's much bigger than that. How many understand there are all kind of things the Lord could have chosen to have recorded for us in the New Testament, but He didn't. He chose specific things. Even in the four gospel accounts, you know, John said he supposed that if everything Jesus said and did was recorded, the world itself wouldn't contain the books that could be written. So we don't, we don't have everything. But we have things hand-picked by the Holy Ghost that apply to all of us for all generations. Read it and, and let this uh, sink into your heart again and, and see what the Lord is emphasizing to them. 2 Corinthians 8.1 Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches 
of their liberality. Can you be liberal when you're poor? Hmm? I saw some people shaking their heads around the place. I saw people shaking their heads no. Let me ask you again. Can you be liberal if you are poor? Were these people poor? At this particular point in their life, some of them, are obviously, a lot of them were in some deep poverty in that area. But even in that state, they abounded in liberality. <laughs> liberality is not based on an amount. It's according to a percentage. God doesn't look at amounts in giving. He looks at your heart, and he looks at the percentage. You remember the offering that the widow came, and rich people were casting in large amounts. Remember that? The Bible said Jesus was standing over by it, watching what they put in. Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? He used to watch the amounts, I shouldn't say amounts, the percentage that people put in the offering. Wonder if he still does. Yes. <laughs> He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was watching. And this, this widow came and threw in these two little old, small, tiny copper pieces, probably, you know, amount to a penny or something. And he, he, he stopped and spoke to his disciples. He said, She has put in the biggest offering. She outgave all these rich folks today. Why? She gave 100%. You can't give any more than that. Right? These guys might have been writing checks for scores of thousands, but it was a relatively small percentage of what they had. And her giving 100% showed her heart. Right? And showed her faith. I remember Dr. Lester Summerall uh, some years ago... uh, he was speaking about some things. He was in another country. And he said uh, two men came down, different country, different nationality, and, and they were come to get saved. And one guy, bless his heart, he struggled around and cried and prayed and cried and prayed. But for some reason, didn't seem like he had any joy when he got up and, and he walked by. And at the door, they, they didn't pass the plate. They uh, had a box that they had stuck to the door for contributions. And he walked by and he looked at that box and he just walked on out. Another guy was up there and he, he you know, uh, knelt at the altar and prayed. He got up shouting. And singing and tears of joy coming down his face. And he, he walked towards the back and he looked at that box and he reached out and he got his wallet and he just held it up there and just opened it up and just dumped it out in there <laughs> and just shouted and walked out the door. <laughs> well, Dr. Summerall thought that was really fun and he was laughing about how silly he thought that guy was acting back there. And he said, the Lord corrected him. He said, no, you don't understand. One man couldn't give me anything at the door. Neither couldn't he give me anything at the altar. The other man that gave me everything at the door, he gave me everything at the altar. People get hung up about money and they, they get upset when you start talking about these things. But I'm telling you, it, you, you want to see real revival going on in a place? You will see pocketbooks get loose. There, I mean, it is inseparable. 
You see God start a real move of God. People's hearts really start selling out to God. You will see money flow. Some people, I think, when they're baptized, if they'd be honest, they ought to hold their wallet up. <laughs> because they, they don't, they're not really sanctifying that part over. <laughs> but is the main thing that the Lord wants you to give your money? Is that the main thing? No, it is not. What is the main thing? He wants you to want to. Amen. More than once I've sat across desk counseling married couples that were having difficulties and problems. More than once I've talked to them about this and told them this. I've had people look at me, both men and women. Well, I, I want her to do this for me. Well, I want him to do this for me. I, I want him to treat me like this, and I, I want him to, to give me this. Well, I want her to do this for me. And I looked at him and said, no, you don't. Remember one lady said, well, yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. Why do you say that? I said, you don't just want him to do this for you. You want him to want to do it. Right. Amen. Amen. What are you doing that would cause him to want to do it? Come back to some personal responsibility. And, and, and you know, anytime that I'm putting pressure on you to do something, I'm not in faith. Anytime that you're putting pressure on me. If I get up here and put pressure on you to give an offering, I'm not looking to the Lord. He, he's not really my source. If you go put pressure on your employer to promote you or to give you a raise. Boy, it gets quiet when you say that. And I see, <laughs> you see, people believe that preachers ought not make big pulls for money. Oh, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> but see, everybody's in the same boat on this deal. If I'm not supposed to put pressure on you, you're not supposed to put pressure on a customer. That's right. On a potential sale. Amen. Yeah, be knowledgeable. Yeah, present your product. But be depending on the Lord. Right. Amen. You know a man, a real man of God, a real woman of God, is not going to try to push somebody into buying something that they can't afford and shouldn't, and shouldn't buy. Is that right? You should care more about that person than you do that dollar, that commission. Uh-oh, I'm talking to somebody now. <laughs> but it's true, right? People are more important than money. They're supposed to be to you. Amen. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> Keep reading. Can poor people be liberal? Yes, yes they can. Yeah. I mean, if you've got three cans of beans in your house, and you take and give two of them to somebody else, you are a liberal soul. Yeah. Amen. You are a generous, open-hearted, free-hearted. Yeah. And that's the kind of person that God can bless. It's not about amounts. Verse 3, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were what? Willing. Willing of themselves. It wasn't that they were, were begrudging doing it. They wanted to do more than what they had. Yeah. Right? right? Oh, I hope you're listening and not sleeping tonight. I became hungry to understand some things about prosperity 
decades ago. I grew up poor and, and broke so much of my life. Wanna, you know, you ever want to do something that cost $20 and couldn't do it? You want to drive across town and couldn't do it? I've been there. And finally got to the place where I got enough word in me until it was chafing me so that I thought, this is not the will of God. I remember falling across the bed in my bedroom and crying out to God. I said, God, this is not right. This is not your will. Have mercy on me. Help me. Show me. To, you know, to get out of this. And there's a lot of people that have heard some prosperity messages, but not nearly as many that are really doing that much better now. Afterwards. And I tell you, one of, the, one of the first things the Lord began to deal with me about was the issue of selfishness and putting him and his things first. And, and also right behind it was the issue of being liberal and being generous. And without saying it specifically, he was showing me different areas that it would help me to adjust my heart so that I was free hearted and willing and desirous. And friend, I, I can see it. The, the further I go in this thing, I've seen times when money was flowing really good in my life and ministry and other times when it wasn't flowing so good. And I've learned now, any time that I see things uh, begin to be throttled or cut down, the first thing I look at is my heart and my liberality and look at my desire, my want to. When you get to where you don't want to give, you're not believing and hungry to write big checks to the church and to the missionaries and this and that, that is the thing that's holding back your prosperity. A lot of people have sown enough already that if you reaped even a small return of what you've sown, you'd have enough to finance large projects. You do need to sow, but it's not just sowing. Are you with me? Some people leave the impression, well, the only thing, give more, give more. Well, no, you do need to keep giving, but if that's all it was, then it'd be working mechanically for a lot of people. We ought to know enough about the things of God to know it's not just about putting something in the plate. It's about your heart. Right? It's about your heart. And you know, there's people that give and their heart is not for the person. And so, you know, you, faith works by love. Right? So how, faith is not going to be operating unless we're on that plane and in that vein, in that flow. Your willingness, your want to. Phyllis and I have learned this just in the past few years. I mean, if we see things are not going the way that they were, the flow is not the same as it was, we begin to talk, we begin to check. Are we hungry? Do we want to help people? Do we want to pay people stuff off? Do we want to write big checks to the church? And sometimes you have to be honest with yourself. Well, I got so caught up in my stuff and what was going on that I wasn't thinking so much about other people. And that's immediately where to make the adjustment. You get a bunch of people hungry, wanting to help somebody, wanting to help the church, wanting to see the work of God done. Then the connection is made that our people will be willing, he said, in the day of his power. The connection is made for power to be manifested. Keep reading here, please. To their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing. Everybody say willing. Willing, willing of themselves. 
praying us with much entreaty. You know what that means? That we would receive the gift. We is who? Paul and his company. They're saying, please, Paul, please let us get in on it. Now, is that a switch? Or what? Please, Paul. I believe God wants things to be turned so much that it is no longer ministers trying to get the people to give. (laughs) But it's the people trying to get the ministers to take it. I believe that's the perfect will of God. Amen. If we're trying to talk people into it, then the hearts are not there. Right? And there shouldn't be any condemnation preached. You better do it. You ought to do it. You're supposed to do it. What's going to move people to where they want to? Hmm? Like I said, we're going to talk about that a little bit later about how to get willing. If you're not, there's some good things that you can do. But that's what the Lord wants more than a check. And God, this is just one part of your life. He doesn't just want you to come to church. He wants you to want to. He doesn't just want you to pray. He wants you to want to pray. He doesn't just want you to read your Bible. He wants you to want to read your Bible. Amen? Want to. He don't just want you to go knock on the door, witness to somebody. He wants you to want to. You know, people can tell if you're just there out of a sense of religious duty. Knock, 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 knock. Do you know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior? Okay. You want to receive him? I didn't think so. Bye. (laughs) Did you understand that you could make people uncomfortable enough that they would pray a prayer with you to get you to shut up and go away? Does that mean they are saved? No. No. For with the heart... Heart, heart man believes, right? And then with the mouth, confession is made. No, it's got to be more than just pressuring somebody. Everybody say want to. Willing to. Keep reading. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. And we would take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Please, Paul, let us get in on this. Please. Praying us with much entreaty. I saw a manifestation of this. Phyllis and I did. Phyllis and I were in another church on the other side of the country, actually. And uh, we were worshiping God, and the Spirit of God was moving. I think I was singing some songs or something. And the word of knowledge began to operate. So the gifts of the Spirit began to operate. Phyllis had a word of knowledge about a lady that was there in the crowd that had a financial need, a pressing need. She needed, I forget, X amount of hundreds of dollars. She needed it right then. The Lord gave Phyllis the amount, I don't know, 294 or something like that. Well, she spoke it out. Well, I had everybody... I was the minister that night, so I had everybody close their eyes and not look around. And I said, if that's you, and if that's the amount, and that's what you need, lift your hand. Well, it was one lady immediately. She put her hand up. Phyllis, I guess, and I were the only ones that knew it. And so uh, Phyllis said, we know the Lord dealt with me to give part of that. So I don't know what she gave, part of it. Uh, somebody else jumped up and said, you know, I want to sow towards that. Somebody else said, I, I want to put something on it. Well, it was done. It was just a few hundred dollars. And so I said, well, praise God, that's done. 
We'll get that to you after the service. We want to do it discreetly so nobody knew. It was kind of situation she needed it three days ago. It was, she was hurting over it. And a lady from the back said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I want to give too. Uh-huh. I said, well, we've already got the money. Another man spoke up. So I wanted to give on that too. Another lady spoke, well, you're not going to keep us from giving, are you? I said, well, no, come on, give if you want to give. And I mean, the people covered the place up with money. It wasn't for me. It wasn't for the church. It was for this lady. But I'm telling the thing that, that struck such a chord in my heart that I could sense the pleasure of the Father because his people wanted to do it. They wanted to do it. I, I guess I'll never forget that woman said, you're not going to keep us from giving, are you? I said, no. Come on. Well, she got thousands of dollars. She only needed a few hundred. I thought she'll find something to do with that, I'm sure. Yeah. After the service, I had the associate. I pointed her out so nobody else would know except me and him and Phyllis. And, and he went to her. In fact, she had that bill in her purse. It was that amount. And she, was, she wasn't a member there. She was a visitor. But she was back the next night. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many believe this is the will of God? God takes pleasure in that. Amen. And it is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, it's a blessing when you're used of God to meet somebody's need like that. And you know, in the beginning days of the church, when the uh, Holy Ghost fell so powerfully, do you remember what happened? This was operating so powerfully that everybody's needs were met. Nobody had any lack or any want. The Holy Ghost is the same today. People had to be willing. You remember the story. People were so willing, they were willing to sell pieces of land, sell houses, sell everything, right? Bring it. Why? Because they were willing to give so that the church's needs and all the people's and all the members' needs were met. And they were. And they were having signs and wonders all the time. And they were having people added to the church daily. Being said, Amen? Well, that's the pattern for us. God hadn't changed. These things haven't changed. It's supposed to be working just that way. How many believe a first step in that direction would be a willingness? A willingness, a want to. Let's keep reading. Skip on down to verse 10. He said, Herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward, or as the margin says, to be willing. A year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Notice what Isaiah one nineteen said, if you be willing and what? Obedient. Obe- not, don't just stop at willing, but go on and be obedient too. Verse 12, for if there be first a willing mind. It is accepted according to that a man has and not according to that he has not. We've already talked about you can be liberal and not have much. If there be first a what? Now now get this phrase because we're going to see this again and again. If there be first a willing mind, it is what? Accepted. It's accepted. 
if the willingness is there, it's accepted, not according to what you might have one day, but you're accepted right where you are right now. How many believe, even if you didn't, you might not have a hundred dollars. But if the Lord dealt with you to sow that hundred and you sowed it and you didn't do it because anybody made you, you didn't do it because somebody told you a sad story, you did it because you loved God and he dealt with you and you wanted to do it and you did it gladly, that God would attribute that to you like you gave a million dollars. Hmm? He sees your heart. And that means more to him than any amount. Friend, when we get a hold of this, Every offering, every act to your neighbor, every seed you sow, even to your family. How many believe that your wife and husband is good ground to sow into? Your kids are good ground to sow into. Amen. How many believe that everything you sow, if you did it with this kind of heart, would it affect the fruitfulness of it? Would it affect the acceptableness of it? Would it accept the blessableness of it? Notice that scripture, verse 12. If there be first a willing mind, it is accepted. Well, what if there's not a willing mind? It'd still be accepted? You'd have to add to the scripture to say that. Right? It didn't say it implied that it wouldn't be. If, if is a qualifier. If there's first the willing mind, then it's accepted. Accepted according to what you have right now. Skip on down to the ninth chapter. And the uh, fifth verse, 9-5. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they should go before to you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not of covetousness, or that could also be translated grudgingly. He said, I want it. He said, that's why I sent these guys to you, so that you could be getting this together now. So that we don't show up and you're not prepared and you feel like you're supposed to give, but you don't want to. He said, I want it to be out of generosity, not grudgingly. Verse 6, he that sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He that sows bountifully reaps bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. In his heart. In his heart. Now, boy, this, this is a lot of latitude, friend. Can you see this? Didn't say, as every man hears an audible word from God. Hmm? As you what? Just in walking with God and feeding on the word and communing with the Father, you'll get things in your heart. I want to give on a certain level. I want to do things to a certain degree. I want to I want to bless some people. I want to pay for some projects. I want to do some things. Amen. It doesn't start in your pocketbook. It doesn't start in your account. It starts in your heart. Amen. You get that inside you. Oh, I, I tell you, it makes me want to shout when I think about it because you, you're looking at an old poor boy from Mississippi used to be. I mean, broke as you could talk about. I mean, we didn't have indoor plumbing until I, I was in junior high. We never had a telephone. I mean, you know, we didn't know we were poor. Everybody around you that poor, you think that's where the whole world is. But eventually I got out and found out that there was a, a, an upper class. And I wasn't in that. And there was also a middle class. I wasn't in that one either. <laughs> but I mean, you know, $10 looked big to me. $300. 
Oh, I remember needing $300 to put an engine in a cold piece of a car I had one day. I mean, I, I went to the bank, and that was a big deal for me to borrow that $300. I thought that was a huge sum of money. Hmm? But to think that the Lord began to put it in my heart that I could write checks for $1,000. I could write checks for $10,000 to the church. I could write checks for $50,000. Huh? And larger. To begin to get that in my heart. And I begin to get, you get that in your heart when you don't have it. It doesn't happen out here first. It happens in here first. I begin to feed on the word. I begin to see me writing a check for $1,000 and putting it in the offering plate. Months passed, months passed, and I was still putting in 10 and 20. But I could see it. I could see me putting that one and that comma and those three zeros on the left side of the decimal point. And it was in the bank. First of all, you get it in your heart. And it came a day when we wrote that check. Amen. And then larger and larger and larger. But it happens first where? As a man, what? Purposes in your heart. That's how it happens. Every man, according as a purpose in his, in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly. Does the Lord mean that? Is he serious about that? Is he saying, don't do it grudgingly? Then would it be okay if you're working on it to go ahead and do it grudgingly? Because after all, the church needs the money. Hmm? It, is he really serious that if you're not going to do it willingly, don't do it? Is the Lord like that about some things? Did he say, I would rather you were hot or cold? Huh? I mean, surely warm is better than ice cold. Don't you think? <laughs> is it? Well, I got a lot of mixed responses across the crowd. Would the Lord rather have you warm? What did he say? I would, did he say I would? Did he mean it? That you were cold or hot? I mean, the more you get to learning, you'll find out he's this way. If you're going to do it, do it. Don't play with it. Don't mess with it. Do it. Right? If you're not going to do it, then just don't do it. Don't talk about it. Don't mess with it. Just don't do it. Say you're not going to do it. You know, I'd rather have a sinner who knows he's a sinner than some goofball, fast-talking Christian. Did you hear me? This got no heart and no commitment, but knows a bunch of scriptures to throw around. Huh? And talks a good game. And it's just full of baloney. You know what? Give me a sinner who knows he's a sinner. Hey, look in my face and say, no, nah, I'm getting drunk. I ain't going. At least I know what I'm dealing with, all right? <laughs> I ain't going to church. I'm going to go smoke some dope. At least I know where you're coming from. At least we understand each other. Right? 
than somebody that'll talk a bunch of junk and oh, how spiritual they are and how they love God, how much faith, and then do nothing. Do nothing. He said, I would rather you were cold or hot, not lukewarm. I spew you out of my mouth. He says, don't do it grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a what? Cheerful, a prompt to do it. Is that what the Amplified says? Prompt to do it. That sounds like willing, doesn't it? See, he's been talking about willing for two chapters here. Want to do it. Don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it because you think you have to. People say, well, do I have to tithe? No. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to pray. You don't have to read your Bible. Don't have to do anything. The Lord is not a coercer. The Holy Ghost is not a forcer. He's not not a manipulator. The devil's the one who tries to make people do things. Not God. He will call to you. He'll prompt you gently. He'll lead you. But it's totally up to you whether you follow or not. Jesus is not the good cowboy. He doesn't drive the herd. Huh? He's not. He's the good shepherd. The shepherd leads the flock and calls to the flock and they follow of their own will. Now ministers, that's our example. And that's one of the most frustrating things you'll get into in the ministry. Because of some folk you want to get the cattle prod out on. <laughs> you want to get behind them and go, jink, jink. <laughs> get on in there. You know what you're supposed to be. But if you do that, you have left the Holy Ghost. And you are now fully in the flesh. And you're misrepresenting the Lord. And I'm not just talking about with a literal cow prod. You can do that with your words. Huh? You can do that with your looks and with your demeanor. And there's a lot of different subtle ways you can put pressure on people. But if you get into any kind of forcing or pushing, you have left the Holy Ghost. It is one of the most frustrating things in the ministry because there are times when you see so clearly as a minister what somebody needs to do. You see so clearly what the Word says, where they're missing it. If they would just stop this and do this and start doing this regularly, this thing would work out and end. They'd start getting blessed, but they won't do it. And listen, God's not going to make them, nor should you try. I said, nor should you try. Oh, you mean, don't, I shouldn't try to make them do it. No, you should not try to make them do it. The best you can do is to lead, set the example, lead and call and say, come follow me. What if they don't want to? Then they won't. What then? Nothing. They won't. Did you hear me? God has given us a free will. We can choose to obey We can choose to disobey. We can choose to follow. We can choose to go our own way. Not follow. We can choose to be willing and obedient. Or we can choose to rebel. And he won't make us do otherwise. Keep reading. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let him give. Not grudgingly. Or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. Does it make a difference how you do it? Go with me in closing to Exodus. Exodus 35. And I want you to see an offering 
that God had recorded for posterity because he liked it so much. He liked the way it went. He liked the way it came together. And I'm t- I mean, this deals with offerings, but how many understand this deals with not just offerings, but with life? Everything that you do. I know a pastor friend of mine said an associate of his some years ago had a special meeting, kind of like this, and had a guest speaker in. His church was kind of unorganized. And he didn't have set people to sing, or he just called different people up along every now and then. They were kind of old school, like some of the churches I've been to before. You ever been to a place where they call on sister so-and-so to sing, and, and she might say, well, I just, you know, I'm not prepared today. <laughs> All right, you ever heard, you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, that happened to him this day. He, he said, you know, brother, come, come and sing that song, you know, that I like. And he said, well, brother, my throat's a little scratchy. I just not, you know, I'm not ready. Uh, well, sister, you know, would you come and, and play the piano and, and sing that song, you know, that we, we all like? And she said, well, you know, pastor, I've had a rough week and I just, you know, I don't feel like I'm, I'm ready. And he went through about eight people. <laughs> and they're all, and, and the further he going, I mean, it's a special meeting. Here's the guest speaker waiting to get up and speak, you know. And uh, he's hearing this saying, "Well, Pastor, I'm just not ready, you know. I'm just, I'm not prepared, and and I just, you know, just, you know, forgive me, but you know." <laughs> he said that this brother got mad. I said all the light switches to the auditorium were right by the platform. And he went over there and took his arm and just turned them all off. Poof, and they're all in the dark sitting there. And he said, go home. Just go home. And come back when you get ready to have church. And he, he went and he took this guest speaker and he took him back off the platform into the office. And he said, brother, left the folks sitting in the dark. And said, uh, he said, brother, I'm sorry. My people weren't ready to have church. I'll call you maybe later when they get ready. And he wrote him a check for an offering and sent him home. <laughs> he said he actually did that. Well, somebody said, well, you know, that, that's bad in it. Well, well, now, is it? Is God that way some? From some of the things that we uh, have been reading here, is God some that way? I believe you can begin to see some things. I've had people that, that worked for me before in the ministry, uh, musicians and singers. Sometimes people think they got some talent, that they're irreplaceable. And some of these folk come in late, service after service, late, drag in, service already started a couple of minutes. Now they come crawling on the piano, the organ. And uh, good player now, good, good player, good singer. They did it about three times and I pulled them over to the side. I said, if you're late again, I'm not going to use you anymore. They said, what? I said, Yeah. They said, well, I, you know, I was just a couple of minutes late. I said, you're saying by this that something else is more important to you than this is. And that means your heart's not right. Because when it comes time for church, when it comes time for the things of God, what's more important? Huh? The reason so many times things are not done right, they're not done well, they're sloppy. People run in and try to do it all to last minute. Why? Because something else was more important to them at house. 
at the house or at the business or the job. If God is first, then his things are first. If you have to, you get there early. If you have to, you stay late. But it's right. And it's ready. Amen. It's amazing the sloppiness that you see in ministry, in churches. I mean, we've been to churches before, not this one, thank God. We've been to churches before that people forgot we were having a meeting. <laughs> Hang out at the airport for half a day. I mean, a rough airport where people after the first hour come by and are looking at your luggage a lot longer. You get to the hotel, no arrangements been made. Who are you? And you watch it. People that have made, haven't made arrangements or haven't made good arrangements in the natural, you can just count on it. They hadn't prayed either. The two go hand in hand. You watch it. People that are prepared spiritually, they'll be prepared naturally. See, folk try to say, no, we were so busy praying and be doing spiritual things that we didn't have time for that. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. That's hypocrisy. Because if you'd have really been praying in the Holy Ghost, the Lord would have been showing you. Take care of this. Take care of that. Don't forget that. Do this. If you'd have been showing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He does, doesn't he? When you get tuned up with God, you get to pray and waiting on him. He's showing you all these natural things. Why? Because it affects the service. It affects the meeting. It affects the, the, the things of God. All these natural things are so much more important than some folk think for. And what does God want? Willingness. He wants you not to just to do it, but to want to have God's things first rate. Amen. That if, it, if you make a mistake, it's not because of lack of trying. You're trying to get it right. Amen. And then even if you do have some mistakes, we can laugh about it and go on because we know everybody's heart was right. They were trying. They're doing the best they knew. Amen. But when it wasn't right because the folk are sloppy and don't care, well, they need to be replaced. They've disqualified themselves. Thinking a couple people I talked to about this, and they were saying, what do you mean? You're not going to use me? I said, no, listen, you don't understand. This is a privilege. It's a privilege to do this. Amen? It's a privilege to work in the parking lot of the church or or with the children or with the youth or to sweep the floor or to clean the bathroom. It's a privilege because this is God's business. Amen? And when you slough around and you slouch around with it and you act like, well, this ain't important. If God had given me a big charge, then I'd really get serious about it. There ain't no big charge coming, honey. Because he that is faithful in that which is least is the one that's going to get a chance. To deal with the much and the more. And what makes you do that way and act that way? Your heart. It's your heart. Your willingness. You want to. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. He said, come back when you want to have church. (laughs) Exodus 35. Are you there? God called for an offering. In Exodus 35, 35.4, Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel. And he said, this is the thing the Lord has commanded. He said, take ye from among you an offering to the Lord, whosoever is of a what? 
Man, he specifies, doesn't he? Who you want to give on this offering, Lord? Just the willing ones. Should we say more about this? That was mighty quiet, guys. I said, should we say more about this in our offerings? With our volunteers? You know, I had the privilege of working in healing school. In prayer school at the Hagen Ministry for 17 years, I guess. And, and a lot of people wanted to work. Students there had a, lot, had a lot of volunteers. You couldn't use all of them. But a lot of times, people wanted to do something to be seen. They, they wanted to do something. And the Lord finally showed me. He said, don't, don't consider anybody that just has ministry on their heart. They, they say they want to help you. So they should have me on their heart and they should have you on their heart. Amen. Not just ministry. Not just healing. Not just prayer. And uh, begin, you know, you eliminate so many problems when you follow that. If God has joined somebody to you to help you, then he's given them a place in their heart for you. Amen. And he'll give you a place in your heart for them. It's a divine thing. And that's the thing that, that causes things to work smoothly. Help you to get through problems if you have any. He said, he, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it, an offering to the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And he goes on and on and on of all the things he needed to build his uh, tabernacle. Now skip down to verse 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses after he described all these things. And verse 21, and they came, everyone whose what? Heart. Heart stirred him up. Amen. Why did the Lord record this like this? There were other offerings. There were a lot of things that happened. But the Lord wanted this in print for all time to come. He wanted us to see how this thing happened. He said, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone who his spirit made willing. They brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle. Verse 22, and they came, both men and women, as many as were. wonder why he keeps repeating this. I guess we could have got it the first time, couldn't we? There's three times already. As many as were willing hearted. And they brought all these things. Are you getting the spirit of this? Amen. This is just like what we had a taste of in that other meeting. Where that woman stood up and said. You're not going to keep us from giving are you? They wanted to. Wanted to. Verse 29. The children of Israel brought a what? A willing offering to the Lord. Every man and woman whose heart made them. Are you with me? Willing to bring all manner of work which the Lord had commanded to be made by the hand of Moses. Everybody say willing. Willing, willing, willing. Verse 2, chapter 36 and 2. Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise hearted man in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. Even everyone whose what? Who did he want giving on this offering? Willing hearted. Who did he want working on this thing? That's what this is. The people that worked on it. Willing hearted. 
You know, when anything that pertains to the ministry, we do music projects, we go into the studio and record and sometimes use different musicians for things and, and uh, you know, things if it's transportation or whatever it is. I look for a willingness. I look for favor. Amen. Amen. Somebody that you can see God stirring them up, that they want to do it. People that are dragging their feet, act like they're doing you a huge favor by showing up. They're not just disrespecting the minister. They're disrespecting God whom you represent. I remember Brother Kenneth Copeland, one of, one of, his, one of the first music projects that he did. He had some people come in. And it had kind of a country western flair to it. And so he had a steel guitar. And this old guy was playing the steel guitar, a studio musician. He was pretty sharp. But they, they had done two or three takes of this. And in the, in the studio, you want to get it right. You know, I mean, it's going on tape. No telling how many times it's going to be played. Who's going to hear it? So, you know, he, they'd been through this particular segment of song several times and, and Brother Kenneth said, no, no, that's not quite right. And that fellow on the steel, he was tired of playing that. He said, well, you know, Kenneth, that's good enough for gospel work. <laughs> well, as you might think, he got his walking papers right then. And he should have. I said, and he should have. Nothing's too good for gospel work and no effort is too much Amen. Amen. And, and listen to this. You can't waste money seriously trying to do the work of God and being led. You, you know, if you spend a little extra on something to make it first rate, you have not wasted money. If it represents the Lord. No. He said, whose heart stirred him up. So they came and they brought free offerings. Everybody say free. Free offerings. Every morning in verse 5, they spoke to Moses and they said, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave a commandment and he caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp. And he said, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing. He had to shut them down. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and what? Too much. Everybody say too much. Too much. Too much. What got them into the vein and flow of too much? What got them? It wasn't somebody thumping them on the head with the Bible saying you got to give. You got to give. You saw a rascal. You robbing from God. No. What was it? God said to the people, if you want to, if you're willing, if it's in your heart, I want you to bring this for my work. And the spirit of it got in the people. And their heart got willing. And they wanted to. Can you see all the people running back to their house and pulling out their gold and their silver and their skins and the women sitting down and fabricating things and the men sitting down and polishing stones and thinking, it's going to be in the, in the house of God. This is going to be used in the work of God. And they got excited. And the whole congregation brought it. Nobody whipping them. Nobody pushing them. Nobody prodding them. They did it because they wanted to. And the flow became too much. Too much. Wonder if that work in your personal life. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Stand up on your feet, why don't you? Let me pray over you. Let me speak some things over you and lead you in a confession right now. 
Oh, bless you, Lord. Put your hands up, why don't you? And thank the Lord that he gave us a free will. Thank the Lord that he doesn't make us do anything. He puts the choice in our hands. Thank you, Lord, that we can willingly and freely give you things, give you praise, give you service, give you obedience, give you honor and glory. Hallelujah. Sit out loud to the Lord. Lord, Lord I, want to I want to praise you. Praise. I want to pray. I want to get in the Word. I want to assemble with your people. I want to serve you. I want to obey you. I want to fully please you. My heart is towards you. And I am willing. As much as I know. In any areas. I can be more willing. Show me. Reveal it to me. Work it in me. Lead me into it. That I may be. Willing hearted. Fully willing. Fully desiring. To fully please you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Won't you put your hands up. Just begin to praise him a little bit. Begin to thank him. Begin to glorify him. Because you want to. Because you want to. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I'm here because I want to be here. I'm doing this because I want to do it. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. We magnify your name. We bless you. We praise you. We exalt you. We extol you. Praise you, Lord. I'm a Christian because I want to be. I serve you because I want to be. I pray because I want to pray. I give because I want to give. I serve you because I want to serve you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Say it while pastor comes, if you would. Say it out loud. I serve you because I want to serve you. I obey you because I want to obey you. I live for you because I want to. Nobody's making me. I do it of my own free will. I serve you because I love you. I trust you. I believe in you. And I want to. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.